Welcome, Black Hollywood Live fans, to Justice is Served. We are talking about the breaking news. Comey's testimony is released, or his opening statement is, what does it prove about Trump's intent to obstruct justice? We'll talk about that and how Cosby's trial is underway with the alleged victim testifying first, followed by her mother. So much to talk about. Stay with us for Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. And in light of the way I introduced this show, this song sounds totally random, but we promise there's a reason for it. <laughs> there is a reason. <laughs> the goodness of the song itself is enough for me. This is uh, Drake's Cake. Pound Cake. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and this show is Justice is Served here on Black Hollywood Live, where a panel of lawyers tells you about the latest in legal news. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chelsea Galicia. You can find me at Chelsea Galicia. I'm joined by my co-hosts and fellow attorneys. Yummy Abayami at, uh, gosh, yeah. I should know this by now. At Yum Yums. At the Yum Yums. Got it. Almost close. And Shaka Smith, who you can find at Shaka Strong. Exactly. Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's probably the most active of all of us on that. So if you have comments, probably directed his way. He'll probably find it first. Only positive ones. Absolutely. All right, we have a really busy rundown yeah. to cover, starting with, oh, I guess we should first talk about why we used this yeah. song. Um, so this song was the subject of a suit against Drake mm-hmm. um, for using copyrighted material. Yeah. There is a uh, spoken word piece that is used in the song. I don't know if it was heard in the piece of the song that we listened to, but the the words say something to the effect of um, real music only, the rest of this stuff is gonna... Yeah, real jazz music, music lasts. No, well, well the, right, yes. The one that Drake samples, real music lasts. Um, and so only real music lasts. Last forever. So, forever. The, so the spoken word artist who he got it from was referring to jazz music as the only real music and it's the only thing that's gonna last. Mm-hmm. And Drake used it, by, but cut out the reference to jazz and just said only real music will last. Yeah. He used uh, various pieces. He basically cut and almost cut, well, cut and spliced mm. words. So they were all his words, but he cut, cut and spliced them and rearranged them so that it said only real music will last. He removed the references to jazz. Yeah. So the estate. And, and other statements that were made. Yeah, so the estate of the spoken word artist sued um, Drake and the, and the label for copyright infringement. Yeah. And the reason why, I mean, there are so many music copyright infringement cases that we literally don't have enough time in the rundown to cover all of them. But the reason that I wanted to cover this one is because it's pretty surprising seeing as how the way that Drake won this um, legal battle is kind of something that doesn't happen that often. Yeah. I, maybe we should first start off by explaining <laughs> what fair the fair use sort of exception is to copyright so that we can make sense of how Drake won this. Yeah. Who wants to fe- be the <laughs> copyright expert so, t- so, right now? So in, in copyright cases, you, you have an item that's protected by intellectual property, and those artists who create those pieces are able to just determine how it's used, if it's exploited, um, and if somebody else uses your intellectual property, then that can be considered copyright infringement if there isn't a license to use the work. Or one of the other defenses to a copyright infringement is that this person didn't own a valid copyright, or that uh, the individual who allegedly copied or infringed on your uh, intellectual property had a fair use argument 
whereby they maybe only used a small portion. Well, there's so, there's so many they have the fair use. Fair use yeah. Sorry, the fair use is for so that the news can quote things, things without yeah. having to get a license. Documentaries, and, yeah. uh, criticism. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of just exceptions that are what allow sort of us to quote, you know, yeah. people. Um, and and not have a license because we're reporting on the news. Even here aspect. on Justice is Served, when we show a clip, it's fair use. Yeah. Right. So it's just it's it's saying that you're like using it, but not really in the intent to explo- exploit the piece for the piece. It's got something else, a larger thing Another behind value, the use. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a tough defense mm-hmm. uh, in the copyright world, but Drake was successful in it. Yeah. Yeah, that this case was interesting to me just because he, on, on summary judgment, so basically the court said there's not even a material issue of fact that makes me think that the plaintiff is going to prevail, therefore we're not even going to really... So basically that means they like cut it off at the knees. Exactly. Like, right. Didn't even let it go to trial. The judge made a, a finding that this does not have a, a legal chance of winning at all. Yeah. yeah, and he based his finding on the fact that Drake's use of the track was transformative, yeah. saying that... Uh, he, you know, with a with a copyright infringement, you might use somebody's intellectual property and maybe add a little bit of a change to it. But if you're still largely just using that person's intellectual property, you need a license. But the judge emphasizes the fact that if you're changing the message, adding a new element, um, and using as much as is needed, as much of the original piece as is needed to yeah. make that transformative uh, action take place, then that will constitute a fair use. And he says the the original snippet of the spoken word is talked about how jazz music is the only real music and yeah. it's the only music that's going to stand the test of time. Which was actually kind of part of plaintiff's argument was sort of, was sort of kind of w- w- washed against them. Uh, well, well, well I mean, yeah. what do you mean? Well, part of their argument was that they wouldn't have approved the license even in the first place because... You know, he, this guy was talking about jazz music, and he was so he so loved mm. jazz. And here Drake turned this into something that was really celebratory of hip hop. And he would w- not he, have liked that. He, he wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. But then the judge said, "Well, as a result, because it was transformative, and it did right." Yeah, so he's hip-hop. he's adding a new message and a new meaning yeah. to this snippet. He's not using the snippet as it is. He's now reconstructed it, changed it, changed the message, and added a new yeah. element, which is that no, not just jazz music is going to stand the test of time, but just real music, period, will stand the test of time. So. That was uh, the judge's feeling on you know it being a transformative use of the work, and therefore uh, Drake had that fair use argument. Did you yeah. think that was a legit ruling? Yeah, and given how small the usage was, even here we had trouble finding the spot in the song where we could find it. Well, so, well, the usage was actually. I mean, the the track itself is a minute long, and Drake actually used thirty five seconds of it, so he did use a substantial portion, which is one of the. Fair use test. The full track is only a minute long? The full, oh, the full track of word. the spoken, oh, spoken word, word is yeah, a minute yeah, yeah, long, yeah. and Drake used 35 seconds yeah. of it, which is one of the things that the plaintiffs complained about, um, because one of the tests for a fair use is well, what portion of the work are you using? Are you using a, yeah. a, a substantial portion of it or a limited portion? Um, but the judge goes so far as to say, you know, it's not that you can only use no more than is necessary, but it actually permits a defendant to use as much as is necessary to transform the... Uh, and the larger the work, work is larger. So it's 35 seconds of a larger song. So it's not as if he just put that little piece out there and said, oh, this is mine now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, congrats, Drake, on that <laughs> legal victory. Um, moving on now to the Comey testimony that was released. 
I didn't realize that we were going to get a copy of, of the, the opening statement ahead today. of the opening statement. Yeah. Do we have like breaking news music? <laughs> I know we kind of need that. Yeah, right. uh, if we can find that in the engin- <laughs> yeah. engineer room, th- this would be a good time to use yeah. that. But uh, so that was just surprising to me. Although it's yeah. not uncommon that <laughs> testimony or at least the te- opening statement is released because that gives the um, the, the people who are going to be asking the questions. In this case, it's a Senate committee. Yeah. Um, to have a chance to look at the statement and ask questions about it yeah. or prepare their questions about it. Um, there are still going to be questions by the, the, the members of the committee doing the questioning, but we saw the opening statement that Comey is set to give yeah. tomorrow morning Extreme. at like 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Seven yeah. East uh, Ex- Western Time. Extremely problematic for <laughs> yeah. For so Mr. Trump. Di- so in for that, who? Mr. Trump. <laughs> I was going to say president. I was like, ah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I it, it confirmed some of the things that had come out. For example, it confirmed that Trump asked Flynn for his loyalty. Yeah. It confirmed that Trump well, asked. Uh, I'm Comey. not I'm sorry, not Flynn. Yeah. Comey to drop the investigation into Flynn. Yeah. And to uh, ask that Trump asked Comey to lift the cloud of suspicion that this Russia investigation was having yeah. on his administration. Yeah. And, and also that the, Trump was never under direct, at least in this little time period, not under direct investigation by the FBI. Oh, right. That he that Trump wanted indeed Comey not, to but come in, out publicly and yeah. say that Trump was not under but investigation. But he indeed was not. So, yeah, because, you know, many of us didn't know if Trump was under secretly under investigation. So at least that was confirmed. At, yeah. A win for Trump's side. So that by itself, <laughs> that looks pretty bad right there. Oh, it looks all, yeah. I mean, it looks like textbook obstruction of justice. But. And so the, the, the difficult part of obstruction of justice is proving somebody's intent. So not mm-hmm. only that they you know, did something to obstruct an official investigation, but that they knowingly intended to corrupt or to dissuade an investigation from being completed. Yeah, and I think I think you can take from Comey's changed behavior, because Comey mentions, you know, he, in the all the eight years, or the four years, whatever he took, he had with Obama, six years maybe, um, he had with Obama, he only talked to Obama twice. One, and both were in person, and one was to talk about justice issues, and the last was to say goodbye in 2016. In the four months that he's been with mm-hmm. Trump, he's met with him nine times, two in person, seven on the or six on the phone, three in person. And that's really unusual. And after the first time, he immediately went to the parking lot to start recording these notes, these memos, because he felt so uncomfortable with the interaction. So I think that's really telling about whether or not the intent, or at least Comey's perceived intent by Trump, yeah. um, merited something more. I thought another interesting part was Comey saying that in a meeting with Trump and Sessions, mm-hmm. the attorney general that we talk about not so adoringly on the show, that he uh, that Trump would ask Sessions to leave yeah. the room, and that made Comey more, uh, you know, more uncomfortable, uncomfortable, and that makes it seem that Trump was saying something that he knew he should not be even saying. At, even and, asking Jared Kushner to leave the room as well, who had apparently lingered in that meeting. Yeah, so this does not look good for Trump. And I, I'm, I would say that the <clears throat> intent portion is like, 95% proven. Mm-hmm. Be- between what um, Comey said in the statement today that he released and Trump telling a, who was it that he told a, a, a news anchor, 
I fired Comey because this Russia thing. Yeah, and and there, and there was a, a little bit of levity in the opening statement. I don't know if you caught it, where uh, Trump asked for his loyalty, and then Comey later on reaffirms, "Well, I will be honest with you." And Trump says, "Perfect. I want your honest loyalty." <laughs> so, I was, so I did have a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. Chuckle worthy <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so of course we're going to have the latest on whatever turns out from tomorrow's testimony. But so far, is it fair to say that all of our money is on obstruction of justice has been yeah. met? It certainly looks that way to me. The next question is about whether or not that will actually lead to impeachment and you know the whole deal but we'll save that for another day yeah I think uh, I think after Thursday you might see uh, you might see a lot of people fleeing or maybe releasing details about Trump that are unsavory just to kind of save themselves and separate themselves from the administration so yeah yeah we shall see it will be interesting I was hearing on um, radio shows this morning that like bars around DC are planning like special happy hours, like mimosa uh, um, it, and yeah. Bloody Marys. It's a Super Bowl Sunday of yeah. uh, politics. <laughs> and that they're going to give out like shots every time that Trump tweets during oh, the man. testimony. And we, we almost lied. And I think Trump tried to blunt this news a little bit with the announcement of the new FBI director. But yeah, after the opening statement was released, we, that got buried under yeah. the news. Right. I saw that name last yeah. night. I'm like, oh, maybe we should cover that on the show. And I'm like, mm, eh, yeah, who, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Although we probably should look at, uh, at who that guy is. Okay. So back on to our sort of like a theme for the day are these like um, intellectual copy defamation uh, violation suits. There's an interesting one being filed against Vivica A. Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and first I was like, oh my God, this is just too much drama for me to follow. She and a partner were doing some kind of male strip show tour. Mm-hmm. And when they had a difference of opinion... Um, that uh, I think that was it. Vivica said something like, "This is for women. This is not for gay men." The tar- target audience. So yeah. there was a, a, there was a, based there was a there was a movie called Chocolate City that was kind of a black version of the Magic Mike. Yeah. I haven't seen we, either we, of those. We have movies, no clip have you? for you guys. You're watching. So, so sorry. <laughs> we apologize in advance. It was basically a black version of the of the Magic Mike movies. This guy, after seeing the response to Chocolate City, said, "Hey, let me do an all male review and take this these uh, dancers on tour across 75 cities." So that was one piece that um, this guy, Lamar, I think was his name, was doing. Later on, he got connected with Lifetime. They ended up deciding to do a reality show based on uh, the lives of black male strippers, not some of whom were going to do this 75-city tour, some of whom were not. Um, So that show was what Vivica Fox was attached to. She was not attached to that that 75-city tour, tour, but she was attached to the reality show called Vivica's Black Magic. So at what point... The tour was called... Black Magic Live, yeah. I think. So the, the the break in sort of the relationship between the guy and Vivica Fox so, occurred because... So she makes a statement, and then they get a lot of LGBTQ like, response. Obviously, Backlash. a very negative response. Yeah. So he goes out to kind of ameliorate the situation, and upon hearing him um, do the PR to kind of make the situation better, apparently it looks like she went out and started a side, uh, a side troupe and poached some of the people from that group to join and then told people hey look he doesn't really care about you he's not treating you well come join me he's exploiting you things of that nature yeah. and yeah. worse yet when he continued to have shows she apparently publicly went out there and said 
don't go to those shows. They are a, it's a fraud. It's a fraudulent show. Don't go. And so people canceled their tickets. He, he, yeah, in the advertising, he was saying these some of the performers are from Vivica's Black Magic, which is true. Yeah. They were from the show, and that's the title of the show, Vivica's Black Mag- yeah. Magic. In her tweet, she was saying, "Oh, they're using my name uh, to associate me with the show." Yeah. Uh, even though it was an incidental use and it, I guess yeah. factual but um, she was saying yeah. you know that's why she kept saying it's a fraud it's a fraud they're trying to say that I'm associated and it was with really like his tour. show <laughs> as well she was the name of it right so this sounds to me pretty much like she's guilty of libel yeah absolutely I mean, I mean in my, she, as far as I can tell. And the hardest part of these cases is generally proving damages mm-hmm. because judges don't like them to be sort of a vague, I lost business, or I was economically harmed. But in this case, if there were actual loss of ticket sales, that's something pretty measurable. It should be pretty easy to prove, yes. Yeah, so are we all on the same page about that, or you think that she's got a valid defense that I have not spotted? Uh, I would have thought she actually had a defense before the social media stuff, you know, because everything was sort of more circumstantial in terms of what she was telling dancers and what have you, but once she went to social media, then it's written, it's, it's there, it's, it's documented. There. Yeah. You know, buyer beware, yeah. he's a fraud, he'll screw you over, well, F you over. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess maybe she can say that my statement of he'll F you over is an opinion, not an assertion of fact. Uh, no. Um, but it, but, it, but, it, but <laughs> I, mean, I know that was going not on. Not when it relates to tickets. But it, does, yeah. it and it does tarnish the reputation. Yeah. yeah. If he's in the business of you know putting on shows and selling tickets, and you're saying no, this person's a fraud, buyer yeah. beware. Yeah. That's pretty. Yes. Yeah. We we probably won't hear very now. much more about this case because if she's got decent attorneys, they're probably telling her to settle, settle right now. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> put your Twitter down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Advice some people get all day, right? Uh, okay, this was an interesting one. So Katie Couric and those associated with a documentary called Under the Gun, which is a documentary <laughs> about guns and the gun industry, gun lobbying and gun safety laws, were sued by a group that was referred to in the documentary called the Virginia Citizens Defense League. So these are obviously pro-gun people. She, what makes you chuckle? I know. I thought this was just a stupid lawsuit. I thought it was just really, really stupid. Wait, anyways. stupid um, by the people who filed it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you on that. So they, they were upset that in the documentary, they're shown um, being interviewed by Katie Couric, and she asks a specific question. She says, if there are no background checks for gun purchasers, how do you prevent felons or terrorists from purchasing a gun? To which the documentary shows nine seconds of silence, something to that effect. Yes. And that the Virginia Citizens Defense League claims that that pregnant pause was defamatory. Yeah, it said it made them look like they were stumped, like they didn't know what they were, didn't have an answer to the question. They were and uninformed. They were uninformed. They weren't fit to uh, be gun in the gun, the gun selling business. Yeah. So the judge sort of parsed those out. And yeah. about the fact that they were not fit to be in the gun business, the judge says this that, that question uh, has nothing to do with your no knowledge of how the the how the gun laws work. Yeah, and, yeah. That yeah. hypothetical would not who's allowed to buy guns. Yeah. Things that doesn't demonstrate that you're not fit right to run a business. 
But the other part about what that pregnant pause meant. Yeah, and so and so they said it made us look like we were stumped. But indeed, they didn't. Ne- they never answered the question throughout the documentary that was posted. Because them. they showed the actual footage to the judge yeah. of what the people said, yeah. and what they answered with was something completely irrelevant to the question that she yeah. asked. They or never, it was yeah. ba- it, it was they, kind of like Trumpish. It's like it's, it's <laughs> or like Kellyanne Conway or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. like basically about the subject matter, but you speak around it and. So they never actually answer the question. Yeah, yeah they were talking about how the, one of them answered that I think that felons should have the right to carry guns after they are, have served their time. Someone also said that, but there's already existing laws in place uh, about the use of guns. So they were answering questions related to guns, but as you not mentioned, the not the actual question so, itself. So the documentary depicted them not answering the question that, that they did not answer. So, but what I but, but what I did feel, feel bad about them for is that at the time that Katie Couric went into this interview, she actually opened up the interview saying, "Hey guys, I need you guys to sit still for ten seconds while my cameraman calibrates the equipment." And so, in that ten second, and that's where that nine seconds of footage came from, oh. was that moment of the ten seconds where they're just sitting waiting for the cameraman to calibrate the equipment. (laughs) So you see people kind of like looking down or like fiddling or looking around or looking at others in the, um, in the, in the circle, in the discussion. And so it, I, I agree with them to the extent that it does suggest that that moment was the moment in which yeah. they couldn't answer the question. But the fact of the matter is that moment was just the moment she told them to sit still, yeah. directed them to sit still. So I could I could understand why they'd be upset. All maybe right. not. It, maybe it doesn't arise to the level of filing a lawsuit for dem- defamation. Yeah. But but still, I I understand. I, they I, a little I, chip I, on their shoulder. I just found it for Hollywood. I found it Hollywood's funny that dramatization. They, they were upset that you know. It, they were shown not answering a question that they did not answer. So it's yeah. like, well... And the judge well, said that they did it artistically. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? He said uh, dramatized sophistry. Yeah, sophistry, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and again, I guess if you're not support, like if you're not used to, I guess, how Hollywood can do certain things, yeah. that so, might strike you as a little bit... I'm sure. You know. uh, so either way, the judge said not having an answer to a question on a difficult and complex issue is not defamatory. Yeah. Okay, so basically, if somebody makes you look dumb, yeah. but and you are in fact dumb, <laughs> no. and you in fact on, do on the not particular ha- yes, yeah. <laughs> and you are in fact ignorant of yeah. that specific question, <laughs> making it known that you don't know the answer to that question or yeah. have a decent answer is fair game. Yeah, again, like a negative connotation does not make it like false. So because well, right, and that's, and that's yeah. what the judge emphasized that it wasn't it wasn't false. Yeah, they didn't answer the question, yeah. and the way they reflected them not answering the question may not have been yeah positive, but pretty, it but, certainly didn't make it false. But it's so not it illegal. It's, but they didn't answer. Yeah. So. All right. So moving on to a case that has been dubbed the biggest, or that could be the biggest. Uh, defamation trial in American history. We're going to talk about the Pink Slime case. Mm. I'm sure the the plaintiffs are, you know, just cringing at the fact that any of us use that term, Pink yeah. Slime, and that's in fact part of the um, the case itself. Um, but the the case was brought by Beef Products Inc., which just yeah. already creeps me out. Um, are you a vegetarian? Uh, I am what my boyfriend calls vegan adjacent. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but there's like beef, but what beef products? It just yeah. sounds like scientific control. And that's another part of the case. So, anyways, 
I mean, Beef Products Inc. was upset that in March of 2012, ABC did a couple of stories, a series of stories on their product, which is technically called Lean, Finely Textured Beef. But it's been dubbed pink slime by critics, not by ABC, but by others before. Even before, yeah. But the company says that their um, use, like 300 some odd times of the term pink slime in their stories and the way that they presented the product caused them to lose like 75% of their business. I mean, this was a big company that turned out like 5 million pounds of product a month. I mean, something pretty insane. And so there are literally billions on the line. Uh, This company had to shut down several of its plants, lay off tons of workers and things of that nature. Um, And so ABC's job is to defend itself against this defamation trial. And I personally am on ABC's side, not just because I am grossed out by this product, but because I think that what they show in the stories about the product is true. Mm-hmm. It's just that the company doesn't like that it is being revealed. Or, or the name Pink Slime. Right. They don't like the use of the name Pink Slime. They also suggested that BPI had kind of coerced the USDA to um, I guess make yes. statements that the, the food is this safe. This is why I am so passionate about politics, because they say that in the piece, ABC says the company didn't do anything illegal yeah. because... In a certain sense, we have a legalized system of corruption and bribery <laughs> in this in this country. Lobbying. But that mm. is the subject of the other shows that I do, uh-huh. political culture here on BHL and uh, the Trump Report on AfterBuzz TV, both on Tuesdays. You can look up uh-huh. those times. But that's what ABC said that the company did is basically lobby the USDA to support the product uh, yeah basically. Aff- affirm the safety of, of the product yeah. um yeah i am all riled up about this anybody uh, else like i am fascinated by how about- like i cannot wait to see how this turns out yeah well to me i think abc will be um i think they'll be found not to be held liable for for these damages because uh, again they're doing news reporting they didn't coin the term uh they simply used a term that was out there um Unless you can show there's some malintent on ABC's part to specifically target this company. Well, they're saying that they purposefully did not seek out individuals that would refute their points towards the safety of the product. But they actually don't have to. Even though they could have. And the the reason that this case is actually going to be harder for BPI is because the judge has found that BPI is a public figure. So often we talk about on this show that if you say something defamatory about a private citizen they're going to be it's, they're going to have an easier time winning their case than if you say it about like a celebrity because they have the means and the platform the malice yeah. is uh, right it adds yeah. malice intent exactly. so it's a higher bar for BPI to have to meet and so. I don't think they'll meet it are you thinking maybe they will uh, well, I mean, I think when you add in the, the malice element, it makes it a bit more difficult. But to the extent that they were purposefully avoiding putting together a balanced story, story yeah. I mean, I think that they're in, in the hole already, even just in terms of having to 
defend this to, to begin with. But then and again, like during the process of discovery, you know, if people at ABC were loose with their emails and said things like, we really want to make sure BPI never makes any food again, you know. Well, it, there's part, one yeah. uh, piece of the story where they talk about when uh, BPI announced that they were shutting down several plants, that the reaction at the ABC studios was people cheering yeah. and celebrating, i.e., we've achieved our goals of shutting down this company. Yeah, so... Uh, but, but if at, they did a real story that showed that this product is... Uh, not either not healthy for consumers or that consumers now were informed enough to make an informed well, choice and that, that yeah. their story the, is well, in fact they, making a difference on public awareness. But there's a, but there but, but what what is considered healthy and what is considered safe first off is subjective but in the I, first I, that, place. But, and 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 it hasn't been shown to be unsafe quote unquote or unhealthy. But there is not anything I mean but look at French fries, look at sodas, look at all of this. But things. if that's what we're reading in an email that would take out the actual malice. But if if it's just simply to get them for to to lose profits, I, I think then you'll yeah. see the actual. Like analysis. we we hate the CEO for some personal reason, yeah. and now we took them down. Yeah, that would be uh, malice. So I'm 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 interested. It'd to be see tough how that to prove, but you never know what you find in discovery. So. Yeah. All right. So let's lead uh, not lead off. Finish off with a study. A police study found that uh, police officers are less polite, less respectful to black drivers. This was in the uh, Journal of Things We Already Knew, right? (laughs) (laughs) Is that where the study came from? (laughs) It actually was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, uh, which may or may not be related to the publication you're speaking of. But uh, I thought that this was a really interesting study that they at least did it yeah. and that a police department signed itself up for it. Yeah, well, you know, they were smart. They used 2014, they used one month, but um, it was good that they used these cameras that they have to actually figure out what's going the on. The city of Oakland yeah. allowed researchers to look at body cam footage and use that as data. Yeah. And so I could see how some people might read this and be like, oh, a study finds police officers disrespectful. Maybe that's just subjectively because black drivers are more likely to complain about how police treat them than white people are. And so it wasn't a subjective study at all. It It took researchers who looked at the language and, you know, the language is like categorized and like it was really well sort of objectified. Yeah. So it took a lot of the subjective, like, oh, it's just people's feelings hurt, you know, kind of element out of it. Then they had volunteers look at the stuff, and they and each for each recording they had ten volunteers look at it. So you weren't just getting, like, one person's view of it. You were getting ten people's view per recording. I think it was something like 183 recordings over 981 stops, so. So really, like, a, a study that's got some, like, credibility to it, yeah. I think, for sure. I don't think anybody can argue that. The question then is... Of course, is this an isolated occurrence in Oakland, yeah. or is this something that's true around the country? That may be another study published in your, what is it? <laughs> Journal of Things We Already Knew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I do hope that it begins a trend of looking at it and that you know police training will be well, even implemented in Oakland, to help address this. I guess they already had a hint that this was kind of going on, and so they've already implemented some stuff in Oakland where, you know, they put a placards around the police department about respect and how to deal, deal with like, the community. Like, write you, sir, ma'am, rather than yeah. first name, or yeah. please and thank you, sorry. Yeah. And, and so already Oakland's kind of taking a lesson from that, so it would be great to see other departments do their own studies, but also start implementing things that would help community relations. I can see some people 
probably on the other you know end of the spectrum from us being like oh this is just a bunch of whiny sensitive people that cry about how police talk to them but actually this has really serious ramifications because this kind of thing the disrespect and and the animosity between officers and civilians from the get-go is oftentimes what leads to more dangerous events yeah. either in that one specific episode or general distrust general yeah. um you know like ineffectiveness of the law enforcement in those communities where people feel that they're being disrespected. And it was significant because I believe it was 57%, they were 57% more likely to use positive and respectful phrases with white um, with like white motorists, and they were 61% more likely to use negative phrases with black motorists. So it's pretty significant. The numbers were not just yeah. like it's a close thing at all. They yeah. were pretty decisive. All right, well, I mean, I, I, I guess that's, I mean, it's a sad reveal, Yeah. but... It but a good trend. I think that it's, it's good an that we're. Study yeah. And yeah, hopefully it'll be replicated across other cities. I'm sure to start more progressive cities, and then maybe yeah. at some point the less progressive cities. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. Which okay. Be- well, I think we're going to leave off on that somewhat of a uh, good note, right? Yeah. Justice Positive. is on its way to being, to being served. served. Yeah. yeah. All right. That will have to do it for us <laughs> this week. Please join us next week for another episode of Justice is Served. And in the meantime. Like, comment, especially on Shaka's Instagram and <laughs> Snapchat and whatever all accounts that he has. Uh, but let us know what you think and stories that you're interested in us covering. Until then, see ya. See you guys. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.